as we all know, our regular preacher, Sean Jeffries, is in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, conducting a meeting. Um, so we're really happy to have uh, Brian and our old friend Ryan back from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, to preach for us the second sermon today. We're finishing up our study on, the, on authority. On authority. We've had it uh, now for about, what, about 14 weeks? And uh, so today we'll finish it. And we certainly want to thank Sean for putting the information together, getting us our nice uh, folders, and uh, it's been a good study. To quote a famous person, uh, Lance McQuitty, (laughs) he just told me, and I I thought it was interesting, he said, have you noticed how well-behaved and attentive our young people are and how rowdy the old folks are <laughs> in between uh, classes. And that's true. So we've enjoyed having our eighth graders through the seniors uh, uh, this semester or this quarter in with us for this important study on authority. Our new classes will start Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we'll go back on a regular schedule. So uh, make sure you, uh, you're ready, ready for that. Before we uh, start our class, we'll have a short prayer. Dear God in heaven, you're so good and so wonderful. We thank you for being you and uh, your creation, your son. We're so thankful for him. We're thankful for uh, your standard of authority, which we try our best here to to observe. And we pray that you'll be with us during this class uh, this morning. And you'll be with us through the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Going back all the way, really, to the second uh, lesson, there are different standards of authority in religion. Anybody want to kind of refresh our memory there on what are some of the standards that people, even religious people, use today to justify their... um, their beliefs, and their actions. Gary? Men's creeds. Okay. Um, men that write uh, creeds? Traditions. Traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw another hand back there. Uh, I can't see who it is, but go ahead. I say, oh, Kevin, go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, Lisa? What feels right? What feels right? Emotions? Uh, how, how could God not accept this because I feel so good about it? Would we call that uh, our conscience, possibly? What did Paul say about his conscience? Several times in the book of Acts. He said, My conscience has been clear. Um, well, he also had Christians arrested and killed, and he said, my conscience was clear even during that. It didn't make it right. Yes, ma'am. Is that Kim? Okay, Kim. Got to be right. My family uh, taught me this. That's the way they are. That's the way they were. My grandparents were that way. Well, that doesn't make it right either. Uh, Margie? Yeah, the majority. Oh, the majority. 
a majority have to be right. Is that correct? My mother used to say, when I would rely on that majority, she'd say, well, if everybody jumped off the roof, would you jump too? Um, well, actually, I probably would have <laughs> as a young guy. Probably would have. So the majority. What does Jesus say in Matthew 7 about the majority? Broad is the way, and many there be that go into this great path of destruction at the end. Has, have, has the Lord's people ever been in a majority? Ever. They never have. They haven't. A majority is not a standard. Some people do that, though. What, what else? We've had emotions. We've had our conscience. We've had the majority. We've had what else? Remember in Matthew 15 and verse 9, what, what, did, um, <clears throat> what did Jesus say uh, about the uh, standard of authority that they were using? He said, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men or the traditions of men. Jesus said that. Jesus himself said that. Their worship is empty. I know you do what you feels good to you <clears throat> and all these things, but they're empty. So what is the problem then? The wrong what? The wrong standard. Well, what is the standard? Well, we've had a whole quarter of this. God, well, what gives God the right to set the standard? That's what this last um, lesson is about. What gives God the right to set this standard? He's the author. He's the creator. He's the potter. Some of my very favorite uh, verses. Now, I, I don't think they were in there, but uh, are, uh, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. <clears throat> Excuse me. Starting at verse 15. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us? And who knows us? Surely, and this is, God said, surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it? He did not make me. Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed him? He has no understanding. When you go to uh, Romans chapter 9, the New Testament, Romans chapter 9, verse 21. For the potter, who is the potter in this um, in this uh, example, God. And said, shall we as the, as the pottery turn around to the potter? We've all seen those in the Smoky Mountains and different places where the potter is doing the clay. Who has control over the clay? The potter. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's almost, um, you'll like this one, anthropomorphic. 
Anthropomorphism, whatever they call the thing. It's when an inanimate object takes on animate characteristics. I can't say that. That the, that, the, that the pottery looks back at the potter and says, what are you doing? God says, you have no right to do that. Who gave you that right? I created you. I have the right to set the standard. And there, there are many, many verses. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. It's anthropomorphism was the word. You've been bought with a price. What was that price, Jim? Jesus Christ and his blood. So God is saying, <clears throat> yes, I do have the right to command you what I'm going to accept and what I'm not going to accept in spite of what you may think. Good example. Jesus taught on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. He gave one cause or one reason for a divorce. And what was that? Adultery, sexual immorality. Well, does with half of the, of the, of the marriages ended in divorce and a lot of times being remarried, do we like that? Doesn't God want me to be happy? What verse was that again? Yes, we're to be happy people, as, as Brian mentioned this morning. Um, but he also, as the right of the potter, as the creator, has the right to say, you have one man, one woman for life, and if there's sexual immorality, I will make an exception there. That's God talking. We have no right to say, but I think... But I think mm -mm, it doesn't work. It does not work. Any other examples along those lines? And we're going to talk uh, Wednesday night in our uh, high school class. Um, a little side, some side rabbits we're going to run, and one of them's going to be. If that's the case, and it is, in Matthew 19 and Matthew 5, what does that tell you about a mate? Selection. You better get it right. You better get it right. You better do your best to get that right. Because God gave one reason. That's for sexual immorality. And we can turn it any way we like. It doesn't change what the potter told the pottery. That's us. That uh, reason for divorce. Questions, comments on that? What about another popular thing today? Sean's got it in his notes here. What about uh, the topic of abortion? We didn't write this book. We didn't write it. God wrote it. What did he say about abortion? Well, somebody says, well, that word's not in there. You're right, the word's not in the Bible. Turn to um, Luke 1 and verse 41. I've, I've touched on this before, and people can get upset, and we may all be in prison before it's over in the society we live in, well, then so be it. Um, <clears throat> Luke 1 and verse 41, talking about Jesus here, Mary. <clears throat> 
And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, drop down to verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. The Greek word for that is brephos. B-R-E-P-H-O-S, brephos. When Jesus is born, a little bit later in that chapter, the word as a, as a living, breathing baby, guess what Greek word is used? Brephos. God does not differentiate between a baby that's in their mother and a baby that has just been born. The same identical Greek word, I didn't write it. Well, I don't like that. Well, that's your problem. That's just what the Bible says. Some things are kind of hard. But uh, life is sacred to God. And he says in the Old Testament more than once, if you shed innocent blood, I'm going to hold you account for that. So these are some things where the standard, God himself, has given us this Bible, and we can have all the caveats that we want. It doesn't make it right. Questions, thoughts, comments on that? Well, I'm, I've either lost you or I'm doing a good job. I don't know which. I lean toward the losing you, but because uh, I see no hands. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now we think, all right, God as, as, and his son as the lawgiver. I think he just doesn't want us to have fun on this earth. I think, as you see this picture of, of an old man in a rocking chair with a, with a white beard just saying, now you folks are not going to have any fun down there because I'm going to give you all these rules. Go to, in fact, if somebody's there, would you read it? Deuteronomy 6 and verse 24. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 24. And read it out very loud, please. So why did God give us all of these statutes, rules, regulations? Why? It's good for us. What? He says, and this is the potter. He says, I'm doing this. I'm giving you these guardrails, if you will. I'm giving you this fence to keep you out of trouble. It's for your good always, Lisa.
such a wonderful thought, Lisa. Uh, having been a drunk as a young man, I can appreciate that. You, you wake up in places you don't know how you got there. Wake up one time in the middle of a railroad track at 2 in the morning. When you do all these crazy things, for our good always, he said, don't do that. How many, uh, several alcoholics in my family on my mother's side, um, I've seen homes torn apart over alcohol. Don't do it. Sexual immorality, it's fun for about five minutes. Be honest, we're big boys and girls here. But God says, you will destroy your family over this. How many of us have seen that in our families? Experience that. You can destroy. God says, I'm doing this for your good people. It sounds like a lot of fun. It's not. It, it'll, it'll get you gambling. How many of these gambling commercials can we take anymore on TV? It's crazy now. Now, they're going to put guardrails so you can put it on pause. Well, aren't you noble? How many families have been destroyed? How many homes have been lost? How many marriages have been destroyed over gambling? Many, 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 many. You know what? You know what the, I'll come and write. You know what the gambler's famous last words are? I'll quit when I get back to even. You're already even. Don't start. Don't start it. Uh, Ryan. Absolutely. Um, back when I was a kid, there was a there was a beer. I can't remember. The, and it was it used to advertise this on TV, and it said it was the finished product of the brewer's art. That was their famous Don. Sh he knows. And then, I mean, he don't know, but he's he knows. And it had a guy laying in the ditch. He's the finished product of the brewer's art. Just don't do it. My parents told me that. You know, I gambled in the Air Force, playing poker, all that. I was always, always lost. Why do those things? God says, I'm doing this. I'm giving you these guardrails so you can have a happy life. Because all it's going to do is tear you and your family up. All these things that we've mentioned. Brian. But with all these things, I think it's really cool how, like Lisa said, we see the wisdom of God in this. <clears throat> and then we also see a whole handful of commands and instructions that he gives to us that make no earthly sense why we should do them. And there's no way in our earthly wisdom we're going to come up with these things on our own, like, for example, baptism. Nobody in their right mind would come to the natural conclusion that dunking in the water is something we need to do. But even in all of those things, you know, he's trained us in the things that we can reason and say, oh yeah, he's got, he's got a point there. He's 
trained us in those things so that when we get to those harder things that we don't understand and we will never understand, then he's able to say, you follow me, and we do, because we trust him in everything else. It's a matter of trust. It is a matter of trust. He has the right to demand and command our trust. And, he, and he, he's doing it for our own benefit. We just don't see that so much. We don't. Jason. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <clears throat> it's a really good point. Um, have you ever been? I have. I, I was in senior management of a big company. And more than once, Johnson, you lead a boring life. And I said, I sure do. <laughs> yes, I do. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. You mean you'd rather be home on the weekends with your family and at night? Yes, I had. And we'd have these dinners where you always had before dinner, you had the, I don't know if they call it happy hour, but a get-together hour, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you'd have to come and make an appearance at the end, and, and you'd get a reputation. Get Johnson the Sprite. Everybody knew that. So you drink your little Sprite, then you make whatever. Boring, yes. And then you look at it and go, what's your point? It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. We have no turmoil in our household. We didn't allow it. There was nothing to argue and fight about. Because we didn't argue and fight. Our kids, when they were coming along, uh, the kids liked to come to our house to hang out. Why? Because there was fussing and fighting everywhere else in, in, uh, in their family. We, didn't, we just don't do that. I'm sorry. Sorry to disappoint you. We are boring people. <laughs> and that's okay. And then we're getting real here, as you know. We're finishing up this, but these are real things. For our good always. Why do we do our, or treat our families in a sense like God treats us? Well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Now, you can't always be canter, a canter, a naughty. You have to give them things to replace those things, otherwise, they will rebel. Um, Johnny Ray, go ahead, sir. I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Peaceful. Peaceful. I agree with that. I, I, I use the boring and we had a wonderful life. It was an exciting life, still exciting. It's just a safe life. Maybe, maybe that's better, Don. God's stated reason through Moses explains in Moab before Israel. 
Yeah, no, that, that's true. And what did Joshua say in chapter 24? We've got it stenciled on our, uh, in our house there, Joshua 24 and verse 15. Paraphrasing, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And as parents, you have to be parents. But uh, as for me and my house, and right now you and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to do this. Do we, do we, it was never, a, it was never a debate. Are we going to go to church on Sunday? Never heard that debate one time. Ever. In our house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And as parents, you have to sometimes say, no. We're not going to do that. But we're not going to do that. Uh, Jamal. <clears throat> okay, yeah. Paul or Peter said, Paul, I think, learn to live a quiet and peaceable life. Learn to live a quiet and peaceable life. And as much as depends on you in other places, be at peace with all men. As much depends on you. We're not looking for trouble. Now, some of these stances on the things that are, that are hot buttons in our society today, we didn't write it. He did. And we have to go by it. Now, you don't always stick your uh, poked bear either. Every lesson's on this or every lesson. No, no, no. We want to be, want to be prudent about it. But what we stand for is what we stand for. Ryan? No, you're right. That, it's a really good point. Is being a Christian an easy life? It is not. God never promised that. Where'd you get that? God didn't promise it'd be an easy life. But I, here's a newsflash, as Brian says. It's not an easy life being a, a non-Christian either. It's just not easy being on this planet at times. It's not. 
talk about forgiveness and tenderhearted. You know, we talk about all the, these outward blatant things. Ah, <clears throat> we talked about this and in, in, in when we were studying 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the, the 747 principle. Luke 747, good way to remember it. <clears throat> remember Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and uh, he invited him for dinner. And di Jesus was a sociable person. He's not saying we got to dress in black and live in a cave. We're to be social beings. That's who we are. And so was he. He went for dinner in a Pharisee's house who was very proud of himself. And there was a prostitute, it appears, came in from the street who was weighted down with sins. She was uninvited. She was invited. And she starts, she falls at Jesus' feet. And she's so remorseful that, that she's washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And what did the Pharisees say? We're gonna, I'll get to my point here in a second. If he knew what kind of woman she was, uh, if he was a prophet, he would understand. And Jesus said, let me ask you a question. When I came into your house, did you give me uh, a, a pan of water to wash my dusty feet? No. Did you put any oil on my head? No. Uh, this woman has, she's put oil on my hair. She's not ceased to kiss my feet. She's crying because of her many sins. And he says there are many, she had many sins. And then in Luke 7, 47, <clears throat> stay with me, we've got about five minutes. He who is, I want to ask you your opinions on this. He who is forgiven little, loves little. This almost sounds uh, circular logic. What does that mean? He who is forgiven little, the Pharisee, loves little. She, in this case, who was forgiven much, what? Loves much. We have to be tenderhearted. Oh, why, why are we supposed to forgive people? There are people that offend us all the time. Why are we supposed to forgive them? Think what God has done for us to forgive a worm like me with all of my sins a long time ago in the past, but still he did. So should we be tenderhearted in forgiving others? That's probably harder than almost anything that, we, that we've talked here. Because some people show no signs of, 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 uh, of repentance. We forgive them anyway. Ryan, uh, 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 Lance. I, I think this concept is so important. Um, the Bible emphasizes there's nothing that saves us <clears throat> other than the blood of Jesus. But it also goes on to explain that nothing matters in judgment but the mercy that you show people on this earth will be measured back That's to right. you That's in right. that judgment. No, that, that's true. Let's face it. Jesus said it. James said it. And others said it. That if you do not forgive your people who you have seen, God's not going to forgive you. 
or me. That, that has eternal implications. And it's probably one of the hardest things to do. It shouldn't be, but it is at times. You don't forgive others. God says, you're going to be a harsh judger, James says in James 2. Trust me, I can be too. Is that what we want? We don't. These are practical applications, and that's what I wanted to make this last class. Uh, Sean did a wonderful job, but th this is, um, this helps hopefully help us get us through Tuesday. I like the theoretical. I like to memorize script, I, I, all of that. I can do that if that's the way you want to do it. But how's that going to help me get through this week? It's got to be practical. got to be applicable. Uh, yes, sir. Well, just the, you know, going back to what you were talking about, <clears throat> love the Lord our God with all of our heart and listen to everything that he says. But the second commandment is like it, <clears throat> love our neighbor as ourselves. So even those, the forgiveness and the hospitality and all of those things, the mercy and things we extend to other people and do for other people in service, that's all based off that second command, which is really based off the first command. So, you know, we're, we're, we're carrying through that love no less valid for us to do than to stand mm -hmm. strong mm -hmm. against you know abortion or no absolutely no about. question absolutely absolutely he commands us to be hospitable people are you you have to answer that one mike just real quick so we kind of brushed over it in the first part god is love so if you want somebody to love you you've got no better person only you walk away from And, and even Paul, who actually had Christians killed, and God forgave him of all of that. But did he carry it with him the rest of his life? That the conscience he did. You know, he got on with it, but he said, "I, I, I kill, I kill Christians." So we haven't done that, but you know. Thank you for your comments. We appreciate to be sure and tell Sean we appreciate his good, good information here on, on authority. Hang on to that. Keep it something you can uh, continue to study. It's, it's really good material. Thank the young people for uh, sitting here. So did you all have any of your hands up? I might have missed you all. <laughs>